please turn your Bibles to the Gospel of John. We started John chapter 3 last week. We did an introduction. I want to go back and reintroduce that little bit, just so that we're all on the same page, so to speak. Okay. Remember again, I said that the last verse of chapter 2 leads into the first verse of chapter 3. That's what I was trying to say last week anyway. And <laughs> my goodness, we had trouble last week. Anyway, um, so let me do that. Let me read John chapter 2, the latter half of verse 25, which is the last verse. It says, And Jesus had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Verse 1 of chapter 3, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So that is the lead-in. So he says he didn't ha need anybody to tell him anything. He knew what was in man. And so here comes a man. <laughs> okay. Now when he uses the word man or the word man in verse 25 doesn't refer to a male person. It refers to the human race. Because he is going to talk to a woman at the well after this. All right. So he, he knows what's in each person. And I think it's really tremendous that we see it from that point of view as we're looking at this gospel that we understand that Jesus is seeing into people. He always has seen into people. He's seen right into their motives and the reasons why they do things, not just what they do, but why. Are you all with me? Yeah. Verse 2, and he's, he's now talking, it's very important that you understand that Nicodemus is a very intelligent man. Okay, and he is sort of one of those people that are upper class in society. Because the next person he's going to talk to is the exact opposite. Are you all with me? We're, we're, so we're going to go from a conversation with somebody that is very religious, very well known, very respected, can hold a conversation with anybody basically on religious matters. Okay? To then somebody that is a woman... To the Jew, that was like, okay, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, and somebody that was not of great reputation, and somebody that comes to the well at times you don't normally go to the well because you're trying to avoid everyone, <laughs> and we're going to find of questionable reputation, okay? So we, I, I really need you to see the opposites, that Jesus will speak to both, and we need to learn to speak to both. We need to know how to do that. That's why we're doing this. Amen? We're not only seeing Jesus Christ as Lord, why He is Lord, but the way He is Lord. Amen? So, having said that, so verse 2, it says, This man came to Jesus by night and said to Him, Now, why by night? There's a lot of explanations. All right? Two that are prominent is number one. Remember he was called a ruler of the Jews? which means he belonged to the Sanhedrin, which included Pharisees and Sadducees. Sadducees are the ones that their, their domain is the temple. Jesus has just cleared the temple. Remember last week? Okay, he went in and cleansed the temple. That would have upset all the Sadducees, but made all the Pharisees very happy. Because they knew that the Sadducees were, you know, corrupt to the core. The whole temple thing was just corrupt. And so, they see, Nicodemus understands it would have taken somebody sent by God to do that. 
because none of them want to go do that, <laughs> okay? All right? And that's what he's going to make reference in a moment too. But I want you to notice he comes by night because I think there, there are two thoughts. I'll give them both to you. Number one, he didn't want to be seen. And then, the, you know, he's a part of the Sanhedrin. And the Sadducees says, why are you associating with him? You know what I'm trying to say? The other is that Jesus is very busy during the day. And this would be a quiet time to sit down and talk to him. I prefer the second. You know what I'm trying to say? I just think Nicodemus thought, you know, this is a very busy person. Let's catch him in the evening when he's, you know, he's got, a t- he's got time to himself. Not everybody's, you know, trying to meet him and talk to him and knocking his door down. We can chat because I need to ask him some questions. Are you all here? Okay. You know what? I don't care. Whatever you want to take, you go with it. All right. So, he, so this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Notice that Nicodemus um, acknowledges that God is with him. He isn't yet ready to say that you are God. Remember, this is the Apostle John writing this, that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. But Nicodemus is is, is willing enough to say, we know you're from God. Okay. And Jesus answered and said to him, now remember that this all started with Jesus knows what's in man. Because otherwise you don't you think Jesus skipped the groove here. Okay? Because all Nicodemus has said was, we know you've come from God because the signs you do. And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is going, well, what happened? I, I didn't say any of that stuff. I just said, we know you're from God. What is this? Remember, he knows what's in man. Who is he speaking to? Somebody that for all of his life has understood and taught that the way you get into heaven is by good works. Now catch this, please, because something very important is being conveyed here. Because a lot of people say, well, why can't I just be good and get to heaven? Why do I need religion? Why do I need this? By the way, you don't need religion. Don't. Okay? Just stay away from religion. You need God. All right? Anyway. So, you know, because they have this kind of, why can't I just be good? You know, won't God allow good people into heaven? How many have heard that one? That's exactly what Nicodemus is thinking. They had, uh, all right, this is not Bible college, I'll just give you this, <laughs> okay? They had this mentality that all the Jews were going to heaven unless they, they, there was apostasy and they did something really, really bad. As long as they did the, good, the right thing, they'll get to heaven. Are you all with me? Okay, that was their belief. They even thought that people prior to Jesus that they, when they died, they went to heaven. Jesus is going to say something that's going to show that that thinking wasn't right. It's right here. We're going to get to it, okay? All right. So I need you to understand something here because uh, Nicodemus is going to struggle with this. And you need to know why. If all your life you have been teaching, remember he's a ruler, 
This is what he stands for. This is what he believes. This is who he is. And Jesus knew who Nicodemus was. And he's about to challenge all of that now. And so he turns around and says, he's, uh, to me, Jesus is, you know, Jesus thinks so far ahead. Jesus is looking at him and thinking, you have just confessed out of your mouth that you know I've come from God, so let's go there. Let's not chit-chat. Let's get to it right now. Let's cut to the chase. And so he says this, most assuredly, I want you to notice he says most assuredly. He's saying, I know you're not going to believe this, so I'm telling you. This is a truth. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? The mother says, no. <laughs> Forget about that. Ain't it happening? It was bad enough the first time. You go have a child. Anyway, so <laughs> all right. <laughs> See, the problem now Nicodemus is having, okay, <laughs> I, I need you to get something here, is that he is thinking naturally because he is not born again. Right. Remember, until Jesus dies, nobody can get born again. We really need to understand this because the New Testament, so to speak, begins with people being reborn, not when Jesus came. He operated under the Old Testament. That's why he said, greater things than these shall you do in this gospel. Chapter 14, verse 12. Greater things are you going to do when I go to my father. Because I'm still operating under Old Covenant. Under Old Covenant, he walked on water. Under Old Covenant, he cursed bushes. Under Old Covenant, he turned water into wine. Think about this. And then he says, you can do greater works than these because I'm going and something is going to happen to you. You will be under a new covenant built on better promises. That's why you have to be really careful when you read Old Testament stuff that you don't get stuck in there because they were all not born again. All of them were servants. All of them were looking for a reason to do the wrong thing. And, you know, as somebody once said, God had to use the carrot and stick method back then. <laughs> Do the right thing, you're good. If you're not, <laughs> whack. But now you have a recreated heart, a recreated spirit, born again. Something brand new on the inside of you. So rather than God out here, that's the whole revelation of the New Testament. You have God in here. Amen. Like somebody said, whoa, I'm wall to wall, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen, you are. <laughs> you know, you need to get this. That's the difference. So now you can't run away. Wherever you go, God goes with you. You stick your fingers in your ears, he gets louder. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get back to this. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 describes the problem that Nicodemus is having. It says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. This very prominent ruler of Israel cannot understand this, because he does not have the mind of Christ. Because he's not saved yet. And Jesus is saying to him, as a man as you are, 
as good as you are, you need this. You are missing something. And we'll get to that in a minute. I don't want to jump ahead. Verse 5. John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, most assuredly. Notice again the most assuredly. Do you, you know, don't read past that. Because he's, he can see Nicodemus like, you've got to be kidding me. And Jesus is saying, I'm telling you the truth. This is truthful. Okay, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water. Now, what's this water? Oh, well, brother, that's water. That's, that's, that's John the Baptist. Hey, they didn't know. I mean, John was good, but he wasn't that great that all the Jews straight away went to that when they thought about it. What, what is he talking about right now? Natural things or spiritual things? It's the second one, okay? All right. Okay. <laughs> all right. It's spiritual things. So we need to, we need, and he's, remember, he's not talking to a normal person here. He's talking to somebody that knows the word. Are you all with me? So Nicodemus is listening on another level to the way somebody would be reading this. Did you get what I just said? He's going to make references to Moses and things that happened in the wilderness because he knows, Nicodemus knows all this stuff. It's all coming up. All right, so you need to understand where. See, it's so important that you identify the person that Jesus is talking to to understand what Jesus is saying. Otherwise, you'll misinterpret things. Are you all with me? So what is the water? What is it that you need to get saved? Just tell me. Just You need the word. And you need the spirit. Can I get an amen on that? The word and the spirit. The two work together. The water is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. Give you a verse. Ephesians 5:26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse her, the church, with the washing of water by the word. Did you get that? That's the water. It's not you getting wet. It's the word. And so he's talking about this and he says, unless you are born of water, that's the word and the spirit. Isn't that right? You need the word and the spirit. He says he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is just, his brain is reeling right now. William McDonald writes this one quote. He says, throughout the word of God, we read that salvation is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Not anything else. It's not water. It's not anything of those things. It's the word. It's the spirit. It's faith in, in Christ. Can I get amen on that? Okay. All right. So verse 6. I don't want to spend any more time on that. I have got lots of stuff here that will, that will talk to that and let you know that this isn't talking about physical water. But I don't want to do that today. Okay. All right. Come to Bible college. All right. Verse 6. That, <laughs> he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. See, now he's making a distinction. He's talking about something spiritual. So he's saying, listen to me, that which is born of flesh, so natural birth comes from natural people. He's making a huge point now. And he's saying that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So he's saying, listen, you've been born naturally. Your natural birth gave you entrance into this world. You need a spiritual birth to give you entrance into that world. Do you understand? All right. So that's why he says here, verse 7, he says, Do not marvel that I said, say to you, you must be born again. Notice that he said, he didn't say, it'd be nice if you got born again. 
I mean, it's great that you're doing good works. That'll scrape you in. But be nice if you get saved. He didn't say that. He said, you must. Do you understand must? Must isn't a suggestion. You must run out of the house when it's on fire. You don't sit there and think, hmm, I wonder if... <laughs> you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. Okay. You must get out of the way if you're crossing the road. And there's a truck and he doesn't put his brakes on. Even though it's a crossing. You understand those things don't... There's no protection around those things. People can just run you over. You know, oh no, right? <laughs> That's just a suggestion to some people. <laughs> oh, look, a person's on the crossing. <laughs> okay. There are, <laughs> there are some things you must do. Jesus is saying, this is, not a, this is not optional. This is a must. And he says, you must be born again. Verse 8. He says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So everyone who is born of the Spirit. In other words, just as the wind is invisible and unpredictable, so are those who are born of the Spirit. You know, I, I get to see this all the time when I'm doing the, 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 the lawns and the yard, you know, because I use a blower, and some days it blows that way, and some days it blows that way, and some days it blows both ways. And you think, okay, you're going this way, so you blow it this way. And then suddenly it changes direction and goes that way. And so you're doing this. And you're looking like an idiot because then it blows that way. And you're going there and thinking, oh, I need one of those sucker things. This blowing thing is not working today. <laughs> you know? I, I have seen for myself how this works. It just, you know, you, we, we think, oh, it's a Sutherly's. <laughs> not necessarily. I don't care what they say it is. It goes all over the place. My leaves are proof. Okay. <laughs> Walked many a mile chasing those little guys. So, <laughs> he says, you don't know when and where it is going to happen. But when it does happen, you can certainly see the results of it. The changes in the person are undeniable and unmistakable. Amen? All right. Verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? I love this. And Jesus answered him. He's looking at Nicodemus and he says, Are you a teacher of Israel? Do you not know these things? I like D.A. Carson. He says, Are you not the reverend professor doctor of Israel? And you don't know this stuff? What is wrong with you? <laughs> okay, all right. But that's what he means when he says, are you a teacher of Israel? Not just a few people, but the whole of Israel. He says, you should know this. Now, if I had the time, and if this was Bible college, I would go to Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27, which talks about all of this. It was already there. He should have known. These are people that pride themselves about how much they know about the word. Uh, verse 11, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, see again the most assuredly, the number of times Jesus has to say most assuredly, tells you something, this guy's having a problem with all of this, and every time, you know, Jesus doesn't speak at people, okay, listen to me carefully here, Jesus doesn't speak at people, when we're ministering people, please don't speak at them, you are speaking to them. You need to take your cues from them. 
not from your dot point list. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> okay? You know, sometimes people go out and they get through their list and they go, I'm done. That's it. If you get saved, you say, if you not, go to hell. I don't care. I've got through my list. I'm done. <laughs> That's not how it works. You talk to people. You see what they're getting or what they're not getting. If they have little Charlie horses in there, you know, they're frownies, they got a pro- you know they've got a problem here. That's when you go with the most assuredly. You know, every time you say something, you go, Okay, most assuredly, <laughs> Jesus says, I, and he's going to say this again. He's, he says, um, where were we? most assuredly, I say to you, we speak. This is very important what he says here. He says, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. A particular individual puts it this way. He translates it to say, we know what we're talking about. Meaning that he is telling Nicodemus, Things of which he has absolute knowledge of. Do you understand? Everybody else is guessing. He knows. Okay? He says, you. He says, and you do not receive our witness. Why? Why is Nicodemus not receiving his witness? I've given you enough to answer that question now. Because his whole life has been do the right thing and you'll get to heaven. And now his whole doctrine is changing. It's not about doing the right thing and getting to heaven. It's about being born again and getting to heaven. Are you all with me? So he's, ha- you, you know, got to give it to Nicky. I mean, his whole life as a little boy. Hey, Nicky. Okay. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I want you to see, you know, little Nicodemus coming running with his little whatever toy or whatever, okay? Little chariot playing with his, okay? And, you know, and then he, he would have been told over and over again, do the right thing. That's how you get to heaven. You do the right thing. From a young age, Nicodemus has always been told, if you do the right thing, you'll get to heaven. How many people have been told that? In this world, and then you come and say you need Jesus, and they go, oh, But I'm a good person, but I've done the right thing. Surely God's not going to send me to hell for doing a few things wrong. Hmm? Do you understand what's going on here? You need to see this because this is so important. That's why I keep saying, You know, it isn't about going to church. Boy, Jesus didn't say go to church here. He said, you've got to get born again. Something inside has to change if you're ever going to go up there. Absolutely. Going to church, that's another deal. But this has to happen. Otherwise, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> okay, well, not the right place anyway. All right, verse 12. Now, he says this. He says, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? In other words, Jesus, you know, I think, Je- this is me, okay? I think Jesus wanted to talk to Nicodemus about all sorts of amazing things. And he's having trouble with the ABCs right now. Right. I mean, yeah, it's ABC to Jesus, but to Nicodemus, it's just flipping him out. Isn't this interesting how it's very difficult sometimes to talk to a religious person? They have enormous trouble getting past all the things that they know or thought was true and have to change everything. I remember when I, was, when I became a Christian, I come from a Buddhist background, somebody came up to me because I would just, I had my mouth wide open, I swallowed everything. I swallowed hook, line, sinker, and the fisherman. 
<laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? I mean, I was like that. I just took everything on because uh, I just loved it. it. To me, it was wonderful news. And everything I heard blessed me. And I still remember to this day an older gentleman that was very knowledgeable in the things of God come from a traditional Christian background. Can I say it that way? Okay, all right. And said, you know, I envy you that you just receive everything while I have to fight through all the things I've learned in the past to receive anything. And I didn't realize what he was talking about when he said that. I was thinking, what? Just listen to what they say. Just accept it. What's, what, what's the problem with this? But you know, you have all these things going on. And the enemy uses all of that to stop you from getting to where you need to get to. Verse 13. Jesus says, no one has ascended to heaven. Listen, listen. What did he say? No one has ascended to heaven, which means everybody that has died up to now didn't end up in heaven. They ended up in paradise, Abraham's bosom. What, where is that? That's in Luke chapter 16. Go look it up. Okay. Rich man in Nazareth. Remember he said, you know, that, can you tell Lazarus to dip his finger in the water, which means paradise has water, had water. Okay. All right. Hell didn't. The place below. Something, isn't it? I think that was interesting. But, you know, we, we see, and you can't see hell from, from heaven, by the way. It's only from paradise you can see it because it's in the same realm. You all with me? Same area. All right. So, but I want you to notice, he says, no one has, has ascended to heaven, but he says, he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, who is in heaven. In other words, he's saying the only person that can tell you about heaven right now is the person that came from heaven. Because nobody's gone there yet. Now once he dies, everybody goes straight there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay? But right now, the only one that can tell you about heaven is the one that has come directly from heaven who knows about heaven. That's why this is so important. We don't worship a good man. We worship God who came from heaven to tell us about heaven. And about heavenly things. firsthand, Amen? Alright. Let's keep going. Verse 14. And now see, because, he's because he is talking to Nicodemus. Verse 14. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, if it was to somebody else, they'd go, say what? little Gentile guy would be scratching his head right now. But this is a Jewish dude. He knows about what happened. This, this is an actual, an Old Testament story. It's in Numbers chapter 21. I'm not going there. Okay? But just to let you know, you know, the children of Israel did their thing again. Started whinging and whining and carrying and complaining, complaining, complaining. And the protection of God fell. Now, the way they write it is that God sent this and God sent that and everything else. You all know that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, don't you? Jesus made that very clear. Now, the people that God will go up against are the people. See, uh, let me give you a quick two seconds, okay? Let's just give this to you. If you're reading Old Testament, you need to know two things. Number one, 
God will protect you. He will come against those who come against you. So he, he is a God that will protect his own. You need to understand this. All right? So if people are coming against you, then he will rise up and he will stand against them. Now, the only way things can happen bad to you is if you mess up. And if you act atrociously and he can't protect you. Because he can't go against the laws that he set up. So his hand gets taken off of you. I'm going to talk about this when we uh, talk about Daniel. In the book of Daniel, come, Bible College, coming up next week, all right? Um, I will tell you about this and give you some details into it. But you need to understand something. And then God will do all kinds of things to get the power back in his corner. We'll talk about that another time. But you need to understand that God, in the Old Testament, whenever you read stuff and you see that something bad is happening to God's people, is because they have acted atrociously, God has had to remove his hand. And it opens the devil immediately for the, it opens the door for the devil to come immediately and attack. He is like, it's like turning a light off in the room. The darkness follows immediately. You don't ever turn a light off and then there's this period when the light is off that is not really dark and it took a little while for the darkness to come in. It never is that way. As soon as you switch it off, it's dark. Are you all with me? And so whenever you read the Old Testament, they didn't have a big revelation about the devil. That's why Jesus had to teach him. There were two in the Old Testament that had a revelation. Isaiah and Ezekiel. They prophesied and they spoke about the rebellion of Satan. They knew, but not everybody understood. So everything in the Old Testament is God did this and God did that and God did this and, and, and God killed him. And then God brought him back and then God can't make up his mind. One minute he's killing, next minute he's saving, next minute he's killing them again, next he's saving them. You know, it just, it just becomes very difficult to understand. Please, please, please understand something. What you're reading here isn't Hebrew and isn't Greek. Did you hear what I said? You are not reading Hebrew and Greek. You're reading a translation. And what people thought should be written from the Hebrew and the Greek. Not what was actually said. Did you hear what I said? The amount of things that we have missed because of that is astonishing. And I could go into details and I can't. I'm doing that already and I'm really sorry. Let me just keep going. But you need to understand this. Be careful how you read the Old Testament. They were not born again. They didn't have an understanding of the devil and God the way we do. Do you hear me? And they didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of them like we do. He came on them, but he was never in them. So a lot of the stuff that happened there, a lot of people read that stuff. I'm going off again, aren't I? Never mind. Let me just go here for a minute. Because if this is important, this is important to you. As if you've got saved and you have all these questions, let me answer some of them right now. You know, a lot of people, they read the Old Testament. And it's a lot of judgment in there. And a lot of God is doing this and God is doing that. And they come into the New Testament. They they, if you keep reading it, and you know, there's a lot of Old Testament. Have you noticed? Two-thirds is Old Testament. You're going to be stuck in judgment and all kinds of problems and not ever realize that you are a brand new creation. 
old things have passed away. You are in a new dispensation. You need to know dispensations, by the way, as well. Are you, are, you are in a dispensation called the church age. Okay, an age of grace. As opposed to those ages where judgment and all the other things were happening. You need to know, read it, by all means read it, but understand something that they were in a bad place. They had no understanding. They would leave doors open. They would do dumb things. They would be getting into trouble left, right, and center. Didn't know if it was God or the devil. Blame God for everything. I mean, that's what you're reading. (sighs) Exhausting to say it all. Okay? (laughs) So you need to, don't ever read... Don't ever decide how you are to live in this age based on that. Okay? You can't. You can read it for a lot of what not to do. (laughs) But also understand that God expects a lot more of you now. A lot more. Because you're one of his children now. Not some little servant running around. He expects... See, I I shared this with Pastor Verity. They didn't know what the faith of God was. They only knew faith in God because they didn't have a recreated spirit. That thing only works for somebody that is, has God in them. Did you hear what I said? Okay, enough. I could go into a lot more. But I want to stop there. I mistakenly thought that the woman with the issue of blood had the faith of God. She didn't. She had faith in God. Because the faith of God is very different. It speaks to things. Do you hear me? And things listen to it. Anyway. All right. Go to the faith course. It's all on there. All right. Back to this. (laughs) And so he, he makes reference to This serpent, you know, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, do you know as horrible as it is, Jesus was representative of that. That that was representing Jesus. The pole was the cross. That he was made to be sin with our sin so that we could have his righteousness. Do you understand? Okay. I don't want to go into any more details than that. And if they looked at that serpent, they were all healed. Now, let me just say this. If God was attacking them, then why would God heal them straight away? This is God's redemption. Once again, they did a naughty thing, opened the door to the devil, and God said, here's the solution, and it's coming. That everybody that looks at the cross will be saved. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, Verse 15. He says that whosoever or whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I know I've run out of time. Okay, I'm sorry I ran out of time. All right. Now, we might have to stop here. I'm sorry. I was trying to get to the end of this, verse 21. But anyway, let's just take it as it comes. John MacArthur says eternal life refers not only to eternal quantity but divine quality of life. This life for believers in the Lord Jesus is experienced before heaven is reached. I love that. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Amen. Before, don't wait for it. Okay, it's here now. It is the life of God in every believer. Yet not fully manifested until the resurrection. Yeah, when that happens, okay, you're going to have a brand new body. All sorts of amazing things are going to happen, all right? 
Uh, D.A. Carson writes this. Here's the frankest answer to Nicodemus's question. How can this happen? First, the kingdom of God is seen and entered. New birth is experienced. Eternal life begins through the saving cross of Christ. Received by faith. All of this is going to, in verse 18, we're going to talk about faith. We have to stop now, I'm sorry. God can, God can do all these amazing things for God so loved that He gave that whoever believes, if you don't believe, everything He did, everything He gave, down the drain. Let me finish by saying this. We'll come back. I realized something in the New Testament and I realized that the thing that God needs for us to do, the thing that God needs for us to do is believe. He said all things are possible to him that believes. And do you know what the enemy is doing? Trying to change what you believe. Be careful. The more limitless your belief is, the more limitless your life is. The more limited your belief is, the more limited your life is. Did you hear what I just said? Be careful of what doctrine you receive into your heart. If it limits you, get rid of it. Because God said, let them have dominion over everything. And the devil says, yeah, but... Not this and this and this and few exclusions. And <laughs> okay, no, no, no. He said, they are going to have dominion over everything the way I have dominion over everything in heaven. They will have dominion over everything on this earth. And we lost it and Jesus bought and paid for it with his blood and gave it back to us and we're still struggling with it. Let's not do that anymore. Can we just start to believe? How do I do that? Confess the thing. Just say, thank you, Lord. I have great faith. Amen. I believe. And you will help me to get there and be a man or a woman of great faith. Not limited faith. Not little faith. Not weak faith. Not where's your faith. <laughs> okay? All right? But great faith. Hallelujah. Okay, I'll stop. All right. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. <laughs> Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you are ministering to us. And we thank you that we don't want to let you down. You have done so much, given so much to bring us to a place where you just need us to believe now. And I thank you, Father, that we make a conscious effort to come against anything that gets in the way of us believing. Believing in you. Believing the love. Believing our authority. Believing the limitless life that you set for us. Believing that we can walk that life. Live that life. And be the people you need us to be down here. So that your perfect will is done. Not just good, not just acceptable, but perfect. In Jesus' name. Amen.